Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Yeah, that's me. How you doing? Welcome to the program. It be January 18th, the date I can recollect because uh, is my birthday. <laughs> hey! <coughs> yep, still kicking. Anyway, um, I, I, just a few housekeeping uh, things and uh, full disclosures to make before we begin today's uh, litany of horror. Um, I will not be here tomorrow. Uh, got to get myself to a wedding in Ann Arbor. So I'll be, uh, I will not be able to be here. And speaking of not being able to be here, there, I, there's going to be a, a larger absence of this program for um, a bit. Um, it's the shortest month, February, <laughs> and I will not be here in February. So, um, no, no further explanation is necessary. But I am, it's my birthday present to my, myself. Um, I need a break. And I'm hoping that'll do it. So, guys, I'm going to just take a, a long vacation. I never do or haven't often in my career. And I need this. So, um, you know, I, I got a, a, an email yesterday from one of you. And uh, at the end of the email... He said, the last few days you have been a little more strident than usual. Just an observation. Hope everything is going okay. So, I hate that word strident. But, I understand. And I have been, I think, angrier. And, and that's just the reality of what living in uh, the Trump era is doing to me. And... Uh, it's not good for my, my health, I'll tell you that. It's not good for any of us. And uh, the taking some time off is also a way to sort of get my my blood pressure down, get my head together. I ain't going to let the son of a bitch kill me. So that's that, she said, scratching her armpit, uh, <laughs> caressing her breasts. God, Cullen, stop it. I don't, I can't, my hands are going in places they shouldn't. Okay, so so here's the thing. Uh, Amazon has announced they've whittled down their search for their second headquarters city to 20. This is like the Miss America pageant. <laughs> and there's, there's 20 still standing. Yes, indeedy, and yes... We're one of them. So we're still in. A lot of cities are licking their wounds today, and they're, they're out. But, my God, it's, it's, there are no Canadian cities. They thought there might be. There is one? Oh, Toronto's in? Oh, I'm sorry. Didn't see it. Um, only one western uh, city, like west coast city, and that's Los Angeles, I believe. Uh, most of them in the south and east. Not sure. 
I could give you the full list, but uh, well, maybe you can get me the list. <laughs> so, let's see. So, I keep saying so. Remember when I went nuts about so all the time and uh, was desperately trying not to do it myself? I do it all the time and I, I give up. So, the Post-Gazette uh, thing is growing. The Post-Gazette today did uh, have a letter. They printed a letter, which I'm going to read to you in case, for those of you who don't get it. And uh, they also did today, on their opinion uh, page, uh, print the excoriating letter from the heads of the Pittsburgh Foundation and uh, Heinz Endowments. So that's <coughs> showing uh, the blockhead uh, backing up a little bit. There is a full-fledged revolt uh, going on among the humiliated staff at uh, the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. And also, it turns out, a bit of a revolt on the board of uh, the block empire because members of the board, a majority of members of the board, these are people who are in the block family and then a few highly connected friends, have written a letter to the editor uh, distancing themselves from the editorial written by uh, John Robinson Block. And I will read that to you. Since 1927, our family has been involved with the Post-Gazette, shaped primarily by the nearly six decades of William Block Sr.'s socially conscious leadership. Some of us knew him as Dad, some Grandpa, and some Bill. But we all knew him as a man whose dedication to excellence and generosity infused the newsroom culture at the paper. This is, this is John Robinson Block's family publicly saying to him, I knew William Block Sr., and you, sir, are no William Block Sr. As to William Block Singer, who he replaced, he was an advocate for civil rights and freedom of the press. He was both a publisher who listened to his editors and a constant and accessible presence. Uh, you cannot find a reporter or anybody who worked at the Post-Gazette during... Uh, uh, Bill Block's tenure that didn't love him. It was a fact. And so the board goes on to say, the editorial published on Martin Luther King Day, printed without the Post-Gazette editorial board's consensus and attempting to justify blatant racism is a violation of that legacy. We are so grateful that Bill never had to read it. They're saying it's good he's dead. It goes against 
everything he worked for and valued. Our family strives to continue embodying his values of social justice, respect, and equality in our communities. As shareholders and family members of the family that operates this newspaper, we are very mindful that Dr. King himself said, in the end, we will remember not the words of our enemies, but the silence of our friends. We do not condone the whitewashing of racism nor the normalization of it. We cannot remain silent and by implication approve the use of the Post-Gazette to provide cover for racism. And the letter is signed by essentially the entire black family except for there's one guy who didn't. I think his name is Alan. Alan Block did not sign. And obviously the nitwit John Robinson Block head who uh, penned the, this noxious racist screed in the first place. But that letter is signed by uh, Blocks all over the country from Fort Collins, Colorado, Squirrel Hill, Maumee, Ohio, Fox Chapel, Minneapolis, Chicago, Highland Park, L.A., Fort Collins again, and Minneapolis, Seattle, Seattle, Seattle. So uh, I wonder how uh, John Robinson Block's uh, week is going. To see everyone <coughs> from his family to the people who work with him all just disgusted by his views and needing to publicly distance themselves, the two foundations. And the Newspaper Guild also came out, the editorial uh, executive committee of the uh, Newspaper Guild that represents the editorial employees of the paper came out with this, which has not been published in the paper and I don't know if it will be but I got my doubts it was written two days ago and let me share this with you because it shows the level of rage the newspaper guild of Pittsburgh the union representing 150 reporters photographers copy editors artists and other editorial employees at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette is collectively appalled and crestfallen by the repugnant editorial reason as racism. As a matter of course, the Guild does not weigh in on editorial positions, but this piece is so extraordinary in its mindless, sycophantic embrace of racist values and outright bigotry espoused by this country's president that we would be morally, journalistically, and humanly remiss not to speak out against it. This editorial is a blight on the 231 years of service the Post-Gazette has provided its readers. Over its long life, it has railed against racism and it supported civil rights and justice for all. 
Given this history, the shameful and unconscionable editorial that ran on Martin Luther King Day of all days is an abomination that cannot go without condemnation from journalists committed to fairness, accuracy, and decency. To be clear, no member of the Newspaper Guild had anything to do with that editorial. And we stand together in solidarity against the bigotry, hatred, and divisiveness it engenders. Our hope is that, like us, readers of the Post-Gazette will decry this lapse in promoting common decency, equal opportunity, and justice across our great land. This editorial and its sentiments solely represent the opinions of the Block family, and therein is maybe the reason why the Block family had to take out its own thing and say, hey, it ain't the family. It ain't the family. It's this one horse's ass. I wonder if they have the ability to knock him off. I mean, off, off his position and to put somebody else in. I wonder. This edi- if they're the shareholders, I would think they have some ability. This editorial and its sentiments solely represent the opinions of the Block family owners of the Post-Gazette and not their loyal employees who use our talents to fight against what this editorial stands for. And that is signed by, and you'll recognize some of these names, Michael Fuoco, Jonathan Silver, Ed Blazina, Joe Smido, who is on the editorial board, by the way, uh, Melissa Catch. Betty Sabatini, Dan Giggler, Zach Tanner, Alyssa Brown, Courtney Linder, and Aaron Hebert. So, wow, Uh, it continues. And uh, I, for one, am am thrilled uh, that there's a more robust uh, response now, coalescing. Uh, it has caught the attention of uh, some national media, and so the ignominy of this editorial will be spread far and wide, but uh, it will be clear that it is the thinking of one man, and unfortunately the man who owns the damn paper. Ray, why didn't I think of that? Ray says, Lynn, just to let you know, round trip tickets to Amsterdam in February are under 500 bucks on WOW Airlines. Happy birthday. Thank you. I just had a friend who uh, got back from Paris who went to Paris on WOW via Reykjavik. (laughs) And... um, she said it's pretty Spartan going. Um, there is no, uh, it's just all essentially economy uh, class. And she said there's not a lot of room and it's very sparse. And if you want so much as a glass of water, you got to pay. Um, which is one of the reasons their airfare is as as low as it is. Uh, just saying, that was what I'd heard about um, WOW. The price is right, but the 
the quality um, of the experience leaves something to be desired, which of course can be said for traveling on almost any airline in this shithole country. Uh, Lynn, it says, rumors are circulating that the State of the Union address will be broadcast with a seven-second delay. <laughs> no. No. I'm glad you said r rumors. Um, I don't know. Why would it? I mean, he's not going to... You think somebody might shout something out from the... I know some people aren't going. They can't bear the thought of s listening to him. Um, thank you, little Tony. Uh, he says, we share a birthday. That was right. I knew I shared a birthday with one of you, and I couldn't remember. It's you. Well, happy birthday. I was up for about an hour having my coffee before I realized it was my birthday. <laughs> couldn't believe I forgot. <laughs> well, there was no forgetting mine, I'll tell you that. I mean, I got birthday greetings from Siberia today. Uh, from my uh, my nephew, who's unfortunately there, while I go off to his brother's wedding tomorrow in uh, in Michigan. Uh, okay, we need. I'm being told to get the word out about the women's march, which we um, we did tell you about uh, the other day. Um. Uh, and that is on the 21st. And there are marches, similar marches, all over the country trying to, um, trying to energize uh, voters to use the power that they have. And as you know, we got some upcoming races that... Uh, that we'll need, and there's no r real politicians who are going to be speaking at this thing. Uh, the march will go from the city county building to Market Square, uh, starting at 11:30, and uh, the speakers are activists. Uh, a gentleman from uh, Fair Districts PA, which is an organization uh, taking on the despicable gerrymandering that has uh, happened here as a result of the Republicans, as usual. Uh, the woman who is the force behind Tuesdays with Toomey uh, will be there. Uh, the Pennsylvania director of the Women's March on Washington and uh, other activists. That's who's going to be there. No pals. Um, so there were 15,000 people last year at the uh, Women's March. I was one. And um, it sure was, and there was no way to be there and not be engaged and energized. So I really do hope that you'll all be able to get to it. So that's Sunday. That's this Sunday. And unfortunately, I'm not going to be here. I'm still going to be in um, Ann Arbor. I'll be on the road, I suppose. Um, but please... <coughs> Uh, please make an effort uh, to make and spread the word because, um, well, it's just hard to, well, it should be easier with social media these days. I don't know. 
Uh, what else we got? Oh, Henry sent me the list. So here are the other cities. Here are the cities we're up against in the um, Amazon beauty contest. Atlanta, Austin, Boston, Chicago, Columbus, Dallas, Denver, Indianapolis, L.A., Miami, Montgomery County, Maryland. I suppose that's outside of D.C.? Where is that? Montgomery County, Maryland, whatever. Nashville, Newark, New York City, Northern Virginia. How can you have a whole friggin' half of a state? How's a city supposed to go up against half of a fucking state? You got Northern whole fucking Virginia? Excuse my language. But now I'm just an old lady who's got a foul mouth and, you know, you'll just have to... It's a kind of eccentricity now. Um, who else? Northern friggin' Virginia, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, Raleigh, North Carolina, Toronto, right, and Washington, D.C. Man, there's a real cluster there. Northern Virginia, Washington, D.C., Montgomery County, Maryland... Those are all kind of right together. And our closest competitor, I guess, geographically, would be what? Columbus? So here we are. We're still in. As you know, I don't want it myself. Yes, it will bring benefits, but it will literally reshape and redefine this city and yuppify it. Uh, well beyond my tastes. I'm just telling you, that will be the result. And I'm not into it, personally. Uh, what? Bob wants to tell all of us, don't fall for that my pillow crap. <laughs> you heard the ads for my pillow? Some guy in Minnesota, right? And uh, Bob is passionate about this. He, is, uh, he has sent me this information more than once. He says, don't buy a my pillow. The guy who owns it and invented it is a huge supporter of Trump. And he also has had a history of drug abuse, being a racist, and being, and this is hearsay, an ab abuser, a wife abuser. Well, okay. Um, when I found out this con artist son of a bee had ties with Trump and was, was a carrier of all the aforementioned BS baggage that goes with being a con artist, geez, Bob, I sent to my... My pillow. I sent. You sent back your my pillow. Because I will never ever spend any money on anyone who's an alleged wife beater and drug addict, let alone one of Trump's favorite ass kissers. No more my pillows for me. Jesus. Have a great weekend, Bob. Calm down. You sound strident. 
Well, I, I, I am a supporter of uh, being particular of where your money uh, is spent. And given my druthers, if I do know about somebody's political leanings and if and a company's, and if they don't dovetail with mine, I, I will try to go somewhere else. I've stopped buying. I always had New Balance shoes. I don't buy them anymore. I used to buy them because they're made in America. And then it turns out something happened. New Balance is like the alt-right shoe. <laughs> I don't know. I'll have nothing nothing to do with it. So, you know, you hear things. Or, or um, whatever. We all make our these decisions, right? Uh, oh, and here's just this little tidbit before we get to stuff. The show's almost over, and I'm barely. I think I haven't even begun it. It's not barely over. It's not even halfway mark. Okay? Uh, why? What do you mean? Am I okay? <laughs> Age, ageist, ageist. Do you know that Chris Christie is the first New Jersey governor in decades who did not break his leg during his term? (laughs) I mean, it's just an odd little fact, but it is a fact. (laughs) And there was this, like, curse on governors of New Jersey. The minute you were elected... You had to be careful because the odds were, the odds were, you were going to uh, literally uh, break a leg. Uh, then Governor Christine Todd Whitman, Republican, uh, 1999, she broke both bones in her right leg while skiing in Switzerland. Uh, she's followed by Jim McGreevy, who famously came out as gay during his term, and he broke his leg while governor, uh, falling in Cape May. Um, And he was followed by Jim Corzine, uh, who almost got himself killed in a a car crash. He he broke his leg while governor, (laughs) and also several ribs, his sternum, and his collarbone. And uh, because the universe is uh, is wonderfully uh, perfect in many ways that we don't always acknowledge, all the Democrat governors broke their left legs and the Republicans broke their right legs. Chris Christie broke neither. Just saying. That's probably his one accomplishment in his... Uh, In his tenure. Uh, Hugging Obama. Oh, that was his biggest mistake. Well, I'm hearing from, remember Dimitri Vassileros? Remember Dimitri, you talk radio fans? I've just gotten a birthday message from Dimitri Vassileros, which my mail thinks is junk. Henry writes, CNN reported this morning that the polling for the 18th district, yeah, I saw that. I do want to, that's what I want to talk about. 
is showing uh, Saccone ahead of Lamb by only one point. I I saw that all the internal polling on both sides are showing single-digit uh, lead. I didn't see necessarily one. But if you want to know why the monstrous Donald Trump is flying in here today, it is exactly because of those internal polls. Uh, the Republicans are scared to death that the Democrats are going to flip this red district. And now the national media is focusing on this race. Uh, Pence is due in any minute. Um, the amount of money being poured in <coughs> being poured in will be astonishing. It says here that uh, this is in the New York Times today that the national Republicans are very worried that Saccone is a lackluster, uh, weak candidate. Well, yeah, he's a Western Pennsylvania Republican. We know what they're like. He is. He's one of you guys. They don't like him. So they're pouring unbelievable money into this. The um, And by the way, the president, when the president flies in today, you will be paying for it. You should not have to pay for it because clearly this is a political... He wouldn't be coming here if there weren't this race going on and he needs to help prop up Saccone. Saccone will be meeting him at the airport and stick close throughout Trump's uh, time here. And when a president does that, and it's a political uh, visit, that is to be picked up by the RNC. Not the taxpayers. It's not when the president ceases to be the president of all, and in fact he's serving as the leader of the Republican Party, uh, which he would be doing, coming here today, he's supposed to pay. Not us. And yet the White House has said that this is official business, this visit. And consequently, you got to pay. It's so official that early this morning, the tweeting president tweeted out uh, something about Saccone and how he's here. He's coming in to help Saccone, a great guy who he wants to see in, uh, in the House of Representatives. Also, there, the president, as usual, undercuts <laughs> his, the people who are trying desperately to prop him up and uh, run his White House by clearly making the trip political. But they're still saying it's an official trip. Jerks. Anyway, the New York Times says that a constellation of conservative groups are planning extensive intervention to carry Saccone to victory. These are, these are people not from here. These are guys from, uh, who are, whose pockets are filled 
with uh, filthy lucre from uh, right-wing uh, right oligarchs. Um, what else do they have? There will be fundraisers next month in Washington, D.C. for Saccone with people like Speaker Paul Ryan in attendance. Efforts to get the big money into his race. Furthermore, a group of well-financed outside Republican groups is planning to unleash what is called a biting advertising campaign against Connor Lamb, the Democrat. I... As I told you, they already are. Um, there are despicable TV ads that tie Connor Lamb to Nancy Pelosi when he is already famous <laughs> for publicly disavowing Nancy Pelosi and saying that he will not vote for her as Speaker of the House should the Democrats reclaim the majority. And yet this ad says he's a Pelosi puppet. In other words, the ad is a pack of despicable lies. And I've seen no ads for Connor Lamb. Here is something, somebody who runs the Congressional Leadership Fund for the Republicans. And his quote in the New York Times is, we will attack Connor Lamb. We will define Connor Lamb. And we will explain why he is a Nancy Pelosi rubber stamp. Well, because facts don't matter, I guess. And the other dispiriting uh, thing in this piece now that we know that is a, we can take that district, that gerrymandered district. The New York Times called it a strangely, what they say, a strangely shaped, an odd shaped district in the southwest corner of the state that was drawn to skirt Pittsburgh. It was gerrymandered. It's a gerrymandered district giving Republicans an unfair advantage. There's more money being poured into it, giving the Republican an unfair advantage. And yet, all the polling shows, with two months until the election, that there is not a big lead for the Republicans. And the dispiriting thing is, it says here, to date, the House Democratic campaign arm has kept its distance and is unlikely to pour money into the race. You wonder why I'm, I'm not a happy Democrat. You understand my, my contempt for the party apparatus is, is intense. Uh, oh, you guys, you're sending me so many birthday greetings. Uh, thank you very much. Margaret thinks that my pillow guy is gay. Why do you think I'm... <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Why? Um, little Tony says, I love Bob's message about my pillow. Don't know those things about the owner. What bugs me about my pillows is that their commercial does not give a price for the product. Commercials always give a price. Uh, but not my pillow. Do you know why they don't? Does anyone know what they cost? They don't because they charge, oh, a fortune for them. <laughs> so happy to have more reasons to hate my pillow every time I hear their commercial. No, I, I don't know what it costs. But whatever. It's quite a marketing campaign they're doing, though, right? Oh, all right, so. The weirdest thing uh, yesterday was the doctor. The doctor giving Trump his his excellent uh, bill of of health. Uh, and I'm I'm looking here. I hope I have it. Yeah, and this is from uh, I think uh, Dana Milbank in uh, the Washington Post today. And I got to share some of it with you because I heard some of the, I was in my car and I heard some of his news conference. And I had the same feeling as Dana Milbank has when he saw the press conference. Because here's what he says. Examining the White House physician's briefing on President Trump's physical, I was alarmed. Not about the president's health, but the doctor's. Rear Admiral Ronnie Jackson was so effusive in extolling the totally amazing, surpassingly marvelous, superbly stupendous, and extremely awesome health of the president that the doctor sounded, well, Trumpian. Here's a direct quote. The president's overall health is excellent, he said, repeating excellent eight times. Hands down, the doctor says. There's no question that he is in the excellent range. I put out in the statement that the president's health is excellent because his overall health is excellent. Overall, he has very, very good health, excellent health. And Milbank wonders, geez, just how excellent is his excellency's excellent health? And here's the doctor again. Incredible cardiac fitness. He has incredible genes. He has incredibly good genes. And it's just the way God made him. Uh, then the doctor goes on. He rhapsodized about Trump's eyesight. About his stamina. Here's the doctor's quote. He has more energy than just about anybody. And he really raved about how smart and sharp Trump is. Very sharp. Very articulate. Very, very sharp. Very intact. Absolutely no cognitive or mental issues whatsoever. Um, unbelievable. And so it was suggested 
that the doctor could maybe write a book using Trump as a model physical specimen. And Milbank is thinking maybe you could call it Don't Sleep, Don't Move, Donald Trump's Exercise for Losers Workout. Uh, it was odd. It was odd. And he's saying that, you know, what is it about people that are around him that start talking like him in, 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 in these superlatives? Um, I don't know. Here's what other doctors think, because the numbers uh, from his testing were shared. And uh, again, this. Other doctors, cardiologists that were not associated with the White House, but were uh, interviewed by the New York Times, uh, unanimously said that the numbers that they saw released about Trump revealed serious heart concerns especially his uh, cholesterol numbers, which are way, way high, especially given that he's taking an, a statin to lower it. Um, here's one cardiologist at Scripps uh, Research Institute. Uh, wow, that's a really high LDL. I mean, we're talking about a 70-plus-year-old man who is obese. And doesn't exercise. Just looking at that number, you would raise a big red flag. And the doctor went on to say, I would never use the words excellent health. How could you take these, in, uh, these numbers and say excellent health? I mean, it is completely contradictory. Oh, dear. Okay, we got a call. Hello? Hey, Lynn. Good Hi. morning to you. Good morning. And happy, and happy birthday. This is John from Greensburg. Yes. Hi, John. Thank you. Well, not currently dwelling in Greensburg, but yes, nonetheless, I mean, Lynn, come on. What, what kind of angry Trump derangement syndrome liberal are you? Are you going to believe your own lying eyes and ears that seem to suggest that Trump is a sedentary, well out of shape, uh, septuagenarian who uh, is frequently confused and overlooks people and even a presidential motorcade when he gets off a plane and whose vocabulary has declined dramatically in the last two decades and now communicates at a grade school level? Or are you going to believe the White House position? I mean, come on. Uh, you know, what's troubling uh, is that we, everybody we says... We, we, this is, this, I used to say we were down the rabbit hole. I, uh. We're well into... Uh, wonderland we really are at this yeah. point yeah we we really truly are yep this is utter absurdity and grotesquery <laughs> yes no, what no, well, what you what human beings speak like that i you know i don't it sounded a lot like his first weirdo doctor you know the guy who looked like uh you know some crazy mad scientist the one in new york um and What's odd, though, is that this doctor was the doctor in the White House for the Obama administration, 
and everybody there said he seemed you know like a regular guy a good guy so why all of a sudden being in the trump white house does he start speaking like this and calling well, an overweight an overweight guy with ldl uh you know way way beyond uh, the safety zone excellent health yeah lynn but i mean he was able to identify a picture of a rhinoceros Oh, the president, yes, he was. Come up with several words that start with the letter F. So, hey. Like, fuck. Sharp as attack. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you. I, I hope you caught the Daily Show last night where Trevor no. Noah was just, did a, a riff on the cognitive uh, test. Yeah. <laughs> it's so stupid. And, and, and other neurosurgeons so, have said, that's not a test of whether some, you need to do an MRI of the brain and you need to do... Uh, there's a, another test that would test if you're losing your, um, you know, reasoning abilities or if your brain's... Well, but when, as we know, all Republicans are people of impeccable integrity and there's no chance whatsoever that the White House position was politically pressured, bought off, bribed, or blackmailed. So we can dispense with that. Okay. Um, by the way, you mentioned the New York Times. Uh, oh, don't again, get me another, started. An, are, are you, you going to talk about today? Another sterling move of of journalism by the New York Times. Well, not an opinion piece, oh. uh, but uh, you know they're reaching beyond the bubble, printing multiple multiple letters from Trump supporters on their on their on their page. You know, no no rebuttals, no facts. No, and you know, let me explain for those of you who don't know the New York Times today literally dispensed for the first time i can remember ever um it's it's editorial page there were yeah, no editorials there was, it was nothing but a blanket of letters from people who support donald trump and i have to ask seriously what did they do that during Obama's presidency and let Obama supporters write in like that? What the hell is Lynn, that Lynn, about? Lynn, Lynn, don't don't become an angry Trump drains and syndrome libtard now. I mean, they're reaching beyond the bubble. They're they're reaching beyond the, 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 the left wing bubble. I mean, I think they have a duty likely to interview personally every Trump voter in the country. I think they almost I really have. Think they do. I think they almost have. I pity the poor Trump well, voter they, they haven't ferreted it out. And Kansas they've overlooked. So they need to dispatch some reporters there to, to get those interviews. Beyond they, they, I, that's a journalistic duty. They've got to reach beyond the bubble. And it's, I'm sure if a Democratic president is elected in 2020, but let, us, let us hold on to that hope, uh, I, I'm sure you know they'll they'll print. Well, they'll probably print a whole uh, a page of uh, of letters from the defeat, you know, from Trump supporters again. Yes, actually, right, missing him. Right, right. Uh, I yeah. it is it is absolutely mind boggling to me. I I have no idea, and it may be, be that the elitist, liberally kind of types in the. Uh, New York Times administration really do look at Trump voters as some kind of odd 
you know, animal that they're trying to understand. I mean, is that the reason? They don't, they can't believe that anyone would, so they keep trying to understand why they, I don't know, the, it doesn't the, make any and the, sense. And the, the, the misses they printed are all very, very typical of uh, children's yeah. soldiers in terms of their yeah. vocabulary, uh, reasoning prowess, grammar, uh, you know, uh, their their uh, rational uh, discourse, they're they're very very typical of the of the of the average Trump voter. Mm-hmm. If you if you read them over, yeah, I well I didn't. I'm, I'm I mean I read a few. Of course, I read a few, and then I thought, why are you subjecting yourself to this? So I I I put it down. But um, yeah, I mean unbelievable. The New York Times. What's with all these newspapers and their uh, the 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 higher ups at these newspapers? The fact is, they don't. I don't know. I never mind. Well, John, good hearing from you. Wherever well, you're, the hell you're you are. referring to, to 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 block over at the 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 Gazette. I mean, I mean that's a, he's a long time arch conservative. Yeah. I mean the the other paper that's owned the Toledo Blade is yeah. you know yeah. They're I mean they're staunchly right wing and have right. been for. A couple decades, at mm-hmm. least. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think the the PG, you know, there there was a there was a big break between their editorial and the, the ownership. Right, right. But how a guy could but, follow yeah, the, the, the Times has. Uh, I think it's time for the old gray lady to retire, perhaps. I uh, well, I'll tell you what she uh, the old gray lady ain't uh, doing real well uh, with me, yeah. and I've been a fan forever since I moved to New York. I have read the New York Times since 1970. And I got to tell you, the paper that is really doing extraordinary work is the Washington Post. The Washington Post is running, running circles around the New York Times. And anybody who reads both papers can see that. Uh, yeah, The Post. And by the way, I recommend the movie, <laughs> The Post. Yeah, I thought, who can make a movie about a newsroom interesting? And it is very good. So see it if you haven't. And uh, thank you, John. Appreciate the call. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Happy birthday again. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, that was the headline. The headline on the page of with all these Trump letters was Vision, Chutzpah, Some Testosterone. And I'm, that's their compilation of what the letters seem to suggest, that these people found Trump a visionary. Uh, some of them liked his, yeah, the testosterone part. And what was the other one? Oh, Chutzpah. Oh, they liked that. They think chutzpah is behaving like a, uh, uh, yeah, a moronic, uh, spoiled child. I don't know. I'm re- it's really. Can you see why I'm taking February off? Do you know I leave here every day. I'm not kidding you with a headache. I have right now a headache. It's right here. Right there. Behind this eye. And, guys, I don't know. I love you all, but... Uh, at some point, if this, if having to like 
immerse myself like this and talk about it like this uh, after I have a physical and the doctor says it's detrimental to your health <laughs> I might have to give it up I don't know of course I wouldn't know what to do with myself I just want to before we do uh, we now are near the end of the program right? I, I want to this is um, a local story and I, I want to uh, just note that Leon Ford, uh, a, a fine young Pittsburgh man, uh, has finally gotten some measure of justice. But nothing, nothing can make up for what was done to him by a Pittsburgh police officer who remains free, who is not in jail. A police officer who shot Leon Ford five times, paralyzing him, taking his legs from this wonderful young man. And Ford has been unable to get justice in jury trials which happens <laughs> ad nauseum in courtrooms all over this country when a black man is killed or maimed, paralyzed, some manner destroyed by a white police officer and the jurors just can't, can't do it can't ascribe any guilt to the officer. Leon Ford, law-abiding citizen, had done nothing wrong. Everything wrong that happened, happened because of the police officers. He now is in a wheelchair for the rest of his life. And at least there is a measure of justice in that the city of Pittsburgh has agreed to pay Leon Ford five and a half million dollars, which, by the way, is a pretty big admission of guilt. So where the jury system didn't work, at least there's a measure of justice there. There's nothing that can get his legs back. Half the what? Affordable how what is that? Half the what? That is half the amount of money in the affordable housing fund. What they want. Well, it doesn't matter. Um he is there's no way the money gives him what he wants. Which his legs. He wants his legs. And he has, throughout this horror that happened to him, maintained an attitude and a disposition that is remarkable. Rarely, if I've never seen him exhibit bitterness, 
God knows I wouldn't, wouldn't, that wouldn't be said of me in the same circumstance. He is an activist. He is a remarkable man. I have never met him. I just know him from reading about him. Uh, I know he has joined the ACLU. He's on the local board. He's, he's something. And he's just another young, wonderful black man who's had his life blown up by trigger-happy cops who, when they see black men, see nothing but criminals or threat. Uh, what we got here? Happy birthday, happy birthday. Thank you. Um, and Brooke writes, the Washington Post, this is from the Washington Post. So the Washington Post, writing about the New York Times, says this, the New York Times will do away with its editorial page on Thursday to run a full page of letters from supporters of the president a move that comes amid a tense climate in the country between the media and Trump, who has constantly assailed supposed biases at many publications. The Trump's publication of letters particularly set off a cascade of criticism on Twitter. Slate's chief political correspondent wrote, In the interest of fairness, the New York Times gave its editorial page over to Republican partisans, a few racists, and people you can fairly describe as delusional. In a paragraph that accompanied the letters, the New York Times noted that its editorial board has been sharply critical of the president. And so the Times said, in the spirit of open debate and in hopes of helping readers who agree with us better understand the views of those who don't, we wanted to let Mr. Trump's supporters make their best case for him as the first year of his presidency approaches its close. The newspaper said that it would follow it up with a feature of letters from from Trump voters who had since become disillusioned. Oh, we're going to do it again with the disillusioned Trump voters? I think in the New York Times, will you fucking relax and just do your job, which is to ferret out the news? This is the New York Times. The President of the United States oh no, is a racist, yeah, Donald Trump flushes away... The newspaper publishes the letters from Trump supporters online, whatever, who cares. Um, no. I am not a big fan of the New York Times at the moment. I have not been for some time. And it's happened uh, over a period of time as I, I had never subscribed to the Washington Post. And I did uh, this year. And... Um, it ju it's the paper I go to first. And I don't do that. I do it for the reason that that's where I get by far the most information, the better opinion pieces. Um, to me, the Washington Post is head and shoulders above the New York Times as currently constituted. Just want to say. All right. We are out of time. I am out of time. 
I have to uh, get to a wedding. My nephew's getting married in the morning. Ding dong, the bells are going to chime. Okay, I won't sing. Um, and then I'll be back on Monday, okay? We got a, we got a little time before I take my monthly retreat, month-long retreat. Um, so, bye. <laughs> bye. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.